What's funny is we get wrapped up because we're around all this smart technology and this artificial intelligence and machine learning and 5G, and things are progressing at such a rapid pace that we're leaving the customers behind in a dust storm to where digital transformation has been going on for several years. And we're not even through that yet. I speak to cities that are still have handwritten forms. Yeah, but and I mean, like that's every still city. Processed. <laughs> well, like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, we're yeah, trying yeah, to get people yeah. to put in autonomous robots in there to automate yeah. everything, and we haven't even gotten them through the digital transformation yet. You are listening to the Beyond Buildings podcast, where we talk to innovative leaders on how they create optimal value in a smart world context. We combine strategy and technology talk to absorb reality, embrace uncertainty, and to go from path dependency to path creation. It's smart cities, it's smart buildings, it's data strategies, it's construction, it's real estate and industry 4.0, and most of all, it's smart people. And remember, it's the data you don't have that will change your life. With your host, the future shaper, the ecosystem architect, Nicholas Wern. This episode is sponsored by Platform of Trust. I like Platform of Trust because it enables companies to create value from any type of data. Therefore, it saves time, money, and it's the perfect tool for companies who want to make data-driven decisions on data they can trust. They make it easy to collect, harmonize, and trust the data from different sources and basically any source that you want. And you don't need to hire 10 IT technicians or spend hundreds of thousands for a cloud platform because Platform of Trust can manage integrations and you'll see if something goes down in real time. Platform of Trust enables companies to take action based on the data that you can trust. Today, not tomorrow. This episode is one of the alpha podcast sessions for the Beyond Buildings podcast. I recorded this during the COVID coronavirus and I didn't have access to great tools or technology. But I wanted to record some of the great sessions I had when talking to interesting people in the smart city space. In this episode of the Beyond Buildings podcast, we talk to Anthony Very Jr. He is a recognized smart city expert and connectivity guru that helps people and companies create the future today. We discuss intelligent camera infrastructures, how dumb infrastructure can be turned smart, and we talk about business models, the importance of not talking about technology, asking questions, entrepreneurship, and foundations to stand on. We also talk about democratizing data manipulation, as well as innovation and how to succeed in a turbulent environment. And Anthony also asked me a question that really got me thinking about how I do business and what needs to change. Listen to what I think is a phenomenal episode about life and business and find out why I love Anthony so much right now. Go above and beyond with the Beyond Buildings podcast. Hello, Anthony, my friend. How are things going? Doing well. Things are going good. Nicholas, how are you? Perfect. Okay, so this is right after the call with Natix.io. It was on our previous session. And uh, yeah, I just thought we could take like 15 minutes to discuss uh, what they said and a little bit about smart city things in general. And for those of you who are just listening to this one, uh, why don't you just introduce yourself uh, real quickly, Anthony, and tell us what you've been doing and what you are doing. Yes, my name's Anthony Vary with Integrated Network Concepts in the Cleveland, Ohio, in the United States. I do a lot when it comes to smart city solutions, design and engineering, and smart buildings, 
It deals with everything from not only the smart technology, but designing and engineering wireless communication networks and a variety of different frequencies and protocols. My value add is usually being vendor agnostic. I have relationships with hundreds of companies around the world, so I'm able to use the best solutions for my clients, as well as give them options when it comes to pricing or features that are offered. There's so much technology advancing every year, every month. So it's very hard for cities and companies to understand all the technology that is available to them and understand how this technology works and how it can benefit them. Perfect. You're on a mission. (laughs) <laughs> one by one, trying to help people <laughs> and help cities. <laughs> yeah, sure. no, I think it's great. I mean, your commentary, both in the call and after the call with the natives, I think that was phenomenal. That's exactly true. Over the past three to four years, a lot of companies, even the big tech giants that are multi-billion dollar companies have struggled with this as well when it comes to smart technology, IoT, industrial IoT A lot of times, customers are looking for that full solution where they deal with one company and they get everything from top to bottom. They get the sensors, they get the IT infrastructure to aggregate the data, they get the platform, they get the software analytics and the storage either on-prem or in the cloud. But not many are delivering that full solution or able to deliver that full solution. So you're finding that a lot of major companies are realizing that they need to partner with other solution providers, either IT infrastructure partnering with cloud platforms and cloud uh, solution providers, as well as sensor manufacturers offering a variety of different sensors that will work with their gateway and so forth. So another thing that I just mentioned uh, this a couple days ago to a group said, who do you believe are your target customers for your solution or your platform or your service or your product that you're delivering? And then ask yourself, why are they your targets? Hmm. Is it just because the technology is here and we innovate solutions for problems and we could improve efficiencies? Doesn't mean success is guaranteed to follow. You have to listen to your customers. They'll tell you what pain points that they have and what they'll pay you if there is a solution for. Because today, over the past couple of years, IT managers and information security managers that I've spoken to, even CIOs and CISOs, they usually tell me that they don't even have budgets. Their yearly budget doesn't even have enough to accommodate things that they deem necessary to keep daily business operations for that year. So that's where we have to be cognizant of the data that your solutions offer. And then also you have to ask, is the data that we're providing, is it actionable data? Who is, and by who, is it a person or machine that receives this data? And then who is responsible for executing on that actionable data? Yeah. Yeah, and it's a very touchy business environment when you're offering a platform that you tout can do it all because they're focused mostly in video surveillance, working with uh, video cameras. So there's platforms that do it all in cloud and with IoT. There's platforms that do it all with IT infrastructure and software for cities. So focusing just on the video surveillance 
they have to make sure that their message is for that particular market. Yeah. Don't try to, to tell with. that you can do everything. Yeah. Just say, we specialize with video surveillance. We specialize with analyzing the video and abstracting usable data, protecting privacy, and making actionable data from the video surveillance. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's a common fear. It goes back to when you're studying at university or whenever it is, you know, when you're writing this uh, master thesis or bachelor thesis, and you really want to target like a huge wide area, right? You want to solve yes. all the problems in the world. <laughs> and then you can't answer anything. You have to reverse engineer the research question like 500 times to match the stuff that you actually found. And I think when I'm advising a couple of students right now, I'm just telling them, go narrow. Go as narrow as you possibly can. And I mean, to answer one question. Answering all of the questions is absolutely impossible. So I think like, yeah, it's really good feedback because I think what these guys should do, yeah, you should just focus on cameras, solve that need, but still have like the future if the customer wants to do other stuff. So I think like if they provide this platform, right, and they do it really, really well, they can make money out of it and can scale up and solving this one need or two needs. And because of the future sort of like proofing of their platform, to do other things. I think that's perfect, but it's not something that they should say today because then they get too cluttered of, okay, what are you now? Are you a platform or is it an application or you can do everything? So I think that's really good feedback as well. So I'm just trying to sound smart by repeating what you're saying, Anthony. I hope <laughs> well, you are very smart. I've met you and we've had many talks. So <laughs> it's good to have these conversations so that we could share information and that it could help drive successful business opportunities. Yeah. Again, when we're touching back on the video surveillance, there's a lot that can be done just with video. We didn't even touch upon it that there's cameras that have thermal imaging. So when you're able to take that thermal imaging, it's one aspect just to see it, but that's only if you're looking at it. We need that data to say, okay, we see temperatures rising from this camera, even where we don't have temperature sensors, we see that heat's increasing in this area and it went above X degree. So yeah. this is where we need to look at because there can be an issue. Yeah, so there's absolutely. a lot that can yeah. be done just in the video surveillance world that they're working in. I agree. I'm working with a lot of wireless sensor companies and I know that you do as well. And I mean, going down nitty gritty into different mesh solutions or straight to cloud or low-powered wired area network stuff or whatever it is, right? But the thing is, like you're saying, if you have like heat detection stuff all across the city and you have some AI algorithm running on top and you have like a couple of data scientists or data engineers at least writing some stuff specifically for, well, let's, let's say police department or fire department or the health department. And now that we see like a spike of uh, corona stuff, right? So you see like, okay, these people are probably running a fever. They're going towards this cluster of 500 people. Maybe not such a good idea. Or here we see something else going on. Here's a fire coupled with like on top of the cameras, you have also a sensor for noise. So you're making these nodes smarter basically for everything. And then you have like a total like wide citywide infrastructure that is definitely anonymous in terms of that it can't really detect people's faces and these kind of things. But you can still draw conclusions and deductions if people are falling, 
if there are large masses forming of people, if someone has running a fever, coupled with the noises, if there are gunshots, people then running in some kind of direction based on the thermal stuff, that's without any sort of like IoT sensor deployments. It's just like cameras yeah. operating in the city, right? So I think like providing this base infrastructure source, enabling these kind of things closer to the edge, closer to the source, which these guys are doing, is definitely for the future. But again, yeah. like turning it back to who are the decision makers? What do their days look like? Maybe they don't have a budget for barely the stuff that they're doing today. They don't have the systems to be able to incorporate any of the data. They can't write their own apps. Like the culture, how innovative is that? The processes, the hierarchy, the people, all these kind of things has to also be smart enough to get started and adopt smart city technology. I think that's a really huge discrepancy between like technology companies been talking technology for the last 20 years and saying that, I mean, why aren't you doing this? Like the technology, AI, machine learning, blockchain is right there today. Yeah, but I mean, like you're not making it simple enough for me to understand. I don't really know how to make a decision and what happens after the decision, and I don't have a budget for it. And right. what are the, so like the values for me, not only to save money, which is fine, I guess, but in order to make money. I think that's sort of like the holy grail when we're talking about like building automation perspective or real estate, that saving money, I mean, of course, that's a, so like what I call like a zero-sum game, or you can only do yeah. it so much. But I mean, like right. making money, that's the whole point. So I think like they mentioned it, that the traditional or the lazy target customer is the one that are actually doing stuff, right? They're the system yeah. integrators, it's the logistics company or whatever. And they're doing it because they want to make things for more effective. But the right. ones that should be doing it is smart cities. It's the municipalities. It's all of these companies that should provide a stable ground to stand on for future innovation. And that's how you democratize smart innovation by providing these vendor agnostic platforms where you promote innovation to take place. So I think like that again, like comes to, do they have the budget? Do we have a simple enough message understanding our customers? I mean, know your customer, right? And yeah, all I, these kind of things. And I think that's my, like my rant. I always do the rants, but I mean, of what's the problem, I think, or what should be the solution as well. As we all know, every city, every company, every building owner, they all have different needs and different pain points and different budgets. Yeah. We can't solve all the problems. Now, there's great technology, great products and services all over that can do amazing things. Yes. Yeah. And we know that. But when you're coming to the market, it's a very competitive market. Yeah. So you have to understand your competitors and yeah. then not only understand your competitors, you either have to create then something that is better, faster, or more economical to build your space in that market. Yeah. So with Natix, what I believe is their benefit, cities all around the world have cameras deployed. Now, are the cameras deployed? Are they new? Were they deployed this year, within a year or two? Mm. Maybe, maybe not. But a lot of them have old cameras that have been around for yeah. five to 10 years. Yeah. So cities that have cameras already deployed they don't have AI and machine learning built yeah. into them or they don't have exactly. that technology. So instead of doing a technology refresh and putting all new cameras in, Natix can come in and add that intelligence on the back end exactly. of their existing camera yeah. networks. I agree 100%. I think that's their strong suit. I mean, that's what I was after in the call as well when I said, like, hey, you're basically turning dumb cameras smart, right? Yeah, that's what they're doing. 
or the ability to get smart as well with a very low cost and high speed. And I think like for us, or for me at least, who works in primarily real estate and smart building innovation and digital twins and these kind of things, is basically the ability of turning dumb building smart much, much mm-hmm. faster, much, much easier than anything else without uh, sort of like a complete retrofit of everything that is in there. I think right. that's, that's definitely super interesting. And for me, at least, if I just can talk for my sense, I mean, it's the ability to make the world a better place and to do that as fast as humanly or machinely possible, right? So again, like one part is, yes, we have a budget in order to deploy this citywide in the next two years, starting next year. But okay, fair enough. Or like in buildings, it's more, okay, we're going to use your technology and build smart from the start next year. So the building is going to be smarter in three years. But I mean, like, right. what about the buildings that are there today? What about the cities that are there today? They are the ones that need this technology. The new buildings right. are going to be better. They probably at an IP network level anyway, hopefully at least. And it's less uh, vendor locking, hopefully. But I mean, like it's turning dumb infrastructure smart in the fastest way possible that this solution is amazing. And then we have like a different partner solutions like uh, stream analyze with AI, machine learning algorithms or yeah. frameworks that you can shuffle data from the cloud and the edge. We have Econo solutions we've worked with, AI, ML frameworks, lightweights you can put on sensor level, even in the cameras, for instance. You have like platform of trust. So if you have yeah. like a smart city or a business that wants to take this data and match it together with like five or six different applications, they can actually do that and make sense yeah. of it. Because again, like yeah. this is one application of many, but it's the combination of these that make it all like into a smart city. Otherwise you get like, yeah, spots of smartness in an otherwise dumb city, right? If that doesn't talk yeah. to each other. So like turning dumb cameras, yeah, they shouldn't say infrastructure because that's too generic. So maybe our mission is gonna be like turning dumb infrastructure smart. And these guys with Natix, they have like smart cameras. That's their idea, right? Yeah. And what's funny is we get wrapped up because we're around all the smart technology and this artificial intelligence and machine learning and 5G. And things are progressing at such a rapid pace that we're leaving the customers behind in a dust storm to where digital transformation has been going on for several years. And we're not even through that yet. I speak to cities that are still have handwritten forms. Yeah, but and I mean, like, that's every still city. Processed. Isn't it? <laughs> well, like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, We're yeah, trying yeah, to get people yeah. to put in autonomous robots in there to automate yeah. everything, and we haven't even gotten them through the digital transformation yet. No, of course. Now, you might be able to speak to this aspect on the European side, but here in the United States, 5G, we have three carriers deploying 5G networks uh, throughout the U.S., yeah. I have an Apple phone that's uh, three and a half years old and it still works great. And Apple doesn't even have a 5G phone out yet. And they might yeah. not even have one this year. Yeah. yeah so absolutely. my point is 5G has been out and it's getting stronger. Yes. But how many people are converting, leaving their Apple yeah, platform yeah. and their Apple phone to go to Samsung or another Android Absolutely, phone absolutely. Because they're so eager to, uh, to get 5G. We, then we come into sort of like the, we should do a, another podcast then about what is your total addressable market for a startup, right? Uh, because I think right. that's pretty interesting in, in relation to some kind of technology maturity 
and you can use this innovation diffusion module as well. Like, where are your customers today? Like, well, the majority yeah, yeah. are using technology from like 15 years back, right? And the problem there is that there are people, their processes, their hierarchy, their culture, as well as their systems. They're designed to work with these systems and they're probably not good at it today even, right? Because they're still yes. in the digital transformation space and no one really has a clue of what they're doing. Well, they probably have a clue what they're doing, but it's not something that would like to do. Hunting for information, all of these kind of things, right? So, yeah, I agree. I think it's dangerous for us to just talk about this stuff, to be honest. We should probably <laughs> never talk about 5G, AI, machine learning, <laughs> ever again. And just focus on the benefits. Whenever we are in these conversations, okay, let's, in this, in this conversation, let's not mention technology at any point in time, right? So maybe I'm going to have a podcast about technology where technology is off limits. Maybe that could be something, right? Because I think that it forces also technology companies to think about, okay, what are we actually doing? Like, what are we solving here? What are the benefits? That's exactly true. And I have an interesting comment that I'd like to hear your feedback on. Yeah, please. I think because of social media and how it's grown over the past five years, that technology companies see what other companies are doing and they get very competitive and they keep pushing to have the next best thing. Yeah. And in the meantime, where are our feet on the ground hearing what the customers are telling us? And are we solving what the customers are saying that they need solved? I don't know if that's totally been the case because if it was the case, I think you'd see a lot more sales in IoT and smart solutions. Yeah, absolutely. Again, like this spin selling, again, like you start with situation, problem, implication, and then um, what I call new solution, I guess, or new ways of working. That's beautiful because you don't really have to understand anything about technology. You don't have to understand anything about anything. The only thing that you do is that you're asking questions to the customer, whoever it is you're asking questions to, and they respond. So you never say anything. You just ask questions and then you find out everything where they are what kind of problems they have, what kind of solutions that they're looking for, and what they're willing to pay for. But no one is really doing it. When I was at GoIoT, I said that. You can do everything you want. And then it was just like, yeah, but we don't want to do anything. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> let's, uh, let's stop the conversation right there. So I think, like again, like it's also a sense of urgency, not only from the technology company, but also from the customer. Uh, do they have a sense of urgency? I mean, we're working in real estate, and there are a lot of real estate companies owners or anyone in the real estate space that they don't really want to change. That's also something, even if they have to change, if they don't want to change or the sense of urgency to change, it's really, really difficult to push these solutions, especially if you're only talking about technology. So like my right. recent, uh, what I call it, uh, prey into construction space is much more interesting because they're talking a lot about, well, they have lower margins, it's more complicated. They're looking for new solutions, not necessarily know how. They're more fragile or sensitive to the economy, all of these kind of things, right? So talking right. to them is like, wow, someone is actually listening or someone wants actually to hear what I'm saying. Even a step more to the left. So you have like real estate, like built buildings to the right. And then you have in the middle, you have the construction. And then you have manufacturing to the left, right? Industry 4.0, I think you know more than me in that space. And there it's also like, it's much more money involved, required uptime. It's also the margins. Uh, Want to make stuff more efficient or the need access to high quality data, faster data, 
on the edge, all these kind of stuff as well. So our partner companies, Connectric Networks out of California, said the same thing. Like he went down to Mexico, like to customer visits to factories. And basically like he was a 10 on 10. Like they like hailed him as the hero. It's like, wow, you have wireless mesh sensors that can deploy super fast. We can create our own digital space and we can just get whatever data that we want without like going to the cloud or anything. Yeah, that's it. One API, it's one cost. It's no recurring fee either. It's just like one cost, you pay it and then you do whatever you want with it. Holy cow. And they're like, they like, they were like really, really, I mean, he got 10 out of 10. I don't get yeah. 10 out of 10 uh, with my. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, so leaving out technology, that's one thing. Understanding your customer, definitely. I think they do have to narrow their message coming to market because, again, they're dabbling in that space of trying to solve all problems, but they don't have all the solutions yet. That's where the app development needs to progress. And developers aren't going to make all these solutions for their platform before there's any business. It's yeah. not a, a build it and they will come environment. It's a, I'll build it if you have a need. Yeah. Okay. So advising them because they're not here, so they can't say no or yes, right? So let's say in addition to the go-to-market strategy, how about they set up a daughter company from this first app? And that's the only thing that that company does. Super specified, super niched, solving a problem, and then they just create a revenue stream that is going to lead to the whole platform as well. And then they can yeah. do that with uh, a couple of the first apps. So the apps themselves are separate companies, which is basically the true for the future apps, but then that's going to lead to the platform. Could that be an idea? What do you think? I think that's a very good idea. I also believe any prospect or any client that could potentially become a customer, even if your solution is not what they want or they don't end up buying, you have to be a good listener and hear their story. And then you understand what problems that they're dealing with or what problems are most important to them that are causing issues. And then you could go back and say, after speaking with client X, they did not want our platform because they didn't need a parking detection solution. But they did say they were having issues with X or Y or Z. Wonderful. Wonderful. I love it. I think that it goes back to, there's a Swedish acronym, which is called uh, BADA. It's like to bathe, right? (laughs) The right translation. I'm not really sure if this is going to (laughs) work. But again, like you're missing so much incredibly valuable information or you're just telling them, like, this is how you should do it, or <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It is. And people are being sold all the time. And a lot of times they turn off their ears when they know a sales call is coming or an email is coming. Yeah. And the best way I believe, or that I do it, is being a good listener. It's almost like being a psychologist. Yeah, yeah. When, when you're there and they know you're not going to sell them, and you're just asking how they're doing, how's business going, then they start opening up. And then they start telling you, oh, this is going really good, but you know what's been happening? We're behind. One of our supply chain vendors is not coming up with the raw materials that we need, and it's delaying our process. So being a good listener allows you that information that you would not have gotten if you walked in the door and said, hey, we got this great new solution. It's 50% off and uh, we're better than anyone else. Yeah. Do you want it? Yes or no? No. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
I mean, being a great listener, Anthony, I think that's probably why you've got such a happy wife. I'm not really sure, but uh, I bet she is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I absolutely agree. And I think like that's definitely something that more companies could definitely take after. What percentage of your LinkedIn followers are clients of yours or potential customers versus technology partners? <laughs> Do you want me to answer? I'm yes. like ashamed, ashamed of answering. Okay, so the direct answer is not enough clients or customers, mm-hmm. probably tied to, I don't know, 95% technology people and 5% customers. Mm-hmm. If that, mm-hmm. maybe 1% customers or clients, to be honest, right? Mm-hmm. And that has a, like a historic legacy challenges for me because I went into this space five years ago and I didn't know it enough, right? So I just connected with like-minded people hopefully at least, to try to understand the business. Uh, so that's why my 11,000 plus strong network or community is more around so like the people are trying to push the boundaries like you yourself, right? So I mean, smart city yeah. experts, system integrators, uh, AI machine learning companies, the ones providing the solutions to the market. So as yourself, right. and I mean, together, we probably have a combined 500 plus companies that we know of and understand what they do. And again, like that goes back to we can listen to the customer. Uh, we right. can find solutions because we know what they're talking about and we can find the solutions in our network pretty fast because that's what we sort of like built up on the last 5, 10, 20 years, whatever it is, right? But yeah, I think that's a really, really good question and a really good answer, hopefully now from me, that I need to shift this. Uh, I need yeah, to shift and I say network, that. Uh, towards clients and customers. And that also means talking less about technology and talking more about benefits and problems and solutions. You're so right, and I love you so much right now. Uh, I mean, I love you all the time, but I love you even more now. That's a phenomenal question. And it's definitely going to challenge me into making the correct LinkedIn connections for the future. And I say that because I did a self-assessment on myself and who was I talking to and who were asking me for insights. And I realized myself as well. I have way more technology and solution providers and technology companies out there that are connected with me as opposed to customers that are of a need of what I can bring to the table. So the focus, I think it'll be a challenge, but a great challenge that we could talk about undertaking is having you and I get a customer at least every two weeks to come on a podcast and open up and talk about their business or their city. Yeah, and, and what what's their going on? Are, what do you do? What does your day-to-day stuff look like? Exactly. Never talk about technology, like the technology show right. where we don't talk about technology. I think yeah. that would be fantastic. That would be simply amazing. We like brand it with like AI, machine learning, blockchain, five G, <laughs> all this kind of stuff, right? And then when the technology companies, because they are the ones that benefit from this. When they come yes. on to the podcast, they're going to like listen, holy shit, these are actual problems, right? So like 90% are probably going to turn away because it's not AI, blockchain, whatever, right? But right. the ones that stay, they're going to get a huge benefit because we're going to ask them great questions, hopefully, and getting yeah. real answers into the real problems that exist. Right. I think that's a great approach. I think that's fantastic. The funny thing is I'm a little old guy in Cleveland, Ohio, but to build my brand and to get the messaging out is what my following has grown because 
I try to deliver a message that begs more questions so that it's not just technology. It's not just who's faster, who's stronger, who's cheaper, and how many features can you provide. It's always about understanding your customer, understanding their needs, cities understanding their citizens' needs. And because they're all different, you can't come to market with one solution and saying you could solve everybody's yeah, problem. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, it requires an ecosystems approach, absolutely. And people and mm-hmm. companies that understand what they're doing and especially what they're not doing and mm-hmm. solving a problem, again, like we're a really defined way. Thanks a lot, Anthony, for joining maybe our podcast. Maybe this is not mine anymore. Maybe it's going to be our podcast. And, or at least this is going to spawn another podcast, which is going to be Technology Talk 5.0 without talking any technology, right? So thanks a lot. And if someone wants to reach you, or you how do they go about it? Integrated.net is the website, or yeah. uh, they could find me on LinkedIn, Anthony Very Jr., V with Victor, E-R-I. Yeah. And uh, those are two great places. Or I'm on Twitter at Very Smart Cities. Very with an I, not a Y. <laughs> <laughs> like so my last smart. name. <laughs> very smart, very smart, very smart. Thanks a lot, okay. Anthony. Take care. Anytime. Talk to you soon. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Beyond Buildings podcast. And also a big thank you to our sponsor, Platform of Trust. For those of you who want to collect, harmonize and trust data from anywhere in the world and make sense of it in a much, much faster way than ever before. Thank you.